0: Ladies, gentlemen, and podcast fans around the world, welcome to Better Than Most Things
1: with your hosts, Sean and Max. Thank you, Mystery. Producer Mystery.
2: There it is.
1: So, what you two don't know is that editing that last episode was a giant pain in the ass.
2: (laughs) I I imagine it would be.
1: Not only was the game, I had to cut up the game a little bit, but uh, just all of our technical difficulties. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that last episode there was a bi- a battle behind the scenes that no one will ever hopefully ever know, but it was quite the shenanigans. Yeah, Another we,
1: show. yeah, we had uh, at <laughs> at least uh, four or five different technical issues yeah, that stopped recording. Issues. Yeah, so here's to uh, I'm gonna raise my raise my glass and take a drink. Here's to smooth sailing yeah. on this episode, huh? All right, Ooh,
0: let's sail these
1: seas. Okay. So to get us started here, I have something uh, pretty timely, uh, meaning by the time you listen to this, you are still eligible to participate in what I'm about to tell you. So the U.S. Marshals, uh, they seized some property from a Ryan Sheridan, and um, he was uh, found guilty of defrauding the government Medicaid system for millions of dollars. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so they seized a bunch of property bought with that. And in order to recoup the losses, they're going to sell the property to private citizens. And three particular items caught my interest. Well, there you go, mystery. Um, those three hmm. items are the Batmobile, a DeLorean, and an Ecto-1. Really?
2: This guy bought all a that Ecto- with the fraud and Medicaid money?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was his company. Awesome. So, you know, everything funneled to the top there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for those who don't know who, uh, what, okay, so Batmobile, you obviously know what that is. And uh, in particular, it's the um, Michael Keaton 89 uh, Batmobile.
2: That's what I was envisioning for some reason, too.
1: The That's DeLorean, cool. uh, obviously from Back to the Future, the Time Machine. And then the Ecto 1 yes. from Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters. And so if you wow. want to participate in this, it's going to happen August 1st. And the website you can go to to register is www.skipco.com. They're the ones holding the auction. And you can go there and bid on these things. But
2: first. Maybe one will do it and we can get it for like 20 bucks.
1: Yeah, no, I seriously doubt it. Do you want to know how much uh, Ryan Sheridan paid for these things?
0: Yes, do. Do.
1: Okay. Mill each? Well, I was going to make you guess each number, but I'll do it this way.
0: These are the original OG cards, right?
1: No, no, no. I'm sure these are all reproductions. for sure. Okay, gotcha. Um, look like the original. Yeah. Okay, so uh, how about we do it this way? Which one do you think was worth the most and the least?
0: The DeLorean was worth the most. I'd say the Batmobile's the most. I would say the Ecto-1 was worth the least. I almost want to say the Ecto-1's the least, too.
1: All right, here. Let me see. Okay, so... uh, Max, you had Batmobile. Yes. As most. And then as Least, you had Ecto. Ecto. Okay. And then uh, Mystery, you had what as DeLorean the most? most? DeLorean is the and most. Ecto is the, least. Ecto is the least. Okay. Here's how it breaks down. The Batmobile was worth the most. With
0: all the body differences and stuff, I think, would add it up.
1: Right, right. Uh Ryan Sheridan, the guy who was uh, arrested and whatnot, uh, he paid $160,350 for it. Oh, wow.
2: It's a price of vehicle. The yeah, one...
1: Drive. So, Max, you got that one right. The one where the least was the DeLorean. Oh. Oh. I know. I was super surprised by that I, as well. I like the DeLorean a lot, so that's why I'm like... Uh... It was only worth. Uh, he only bought it for fifty one thousand three hundred dollars.
0: That's cheap. We can get like three of them right now. There are only like <laughs> four in the world or something. Right.
1: <laughs> I know. That's what the what the, the, fuck? B- the Batmobile was built on, like a Ford Taurus chali- <laughs> chassis. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then like the Ecto the One. For sure, added up. So I thought it was interesting. You guys both thought the Ecto One would be the least. Uh, it was actually worth just behind the Batmobile at one hundred and
2: forty thousand three hundred and fifty nine dollars. I mean, it is a sick car. Don't be wrong, but like it just like they're all sick vehicles. I think the, just, I, I have a personal thing with Back to the Future. At first glance, it
0: looks the
1: least pimped out. I think the main thing to that is the classic nature of that particular car. Like, DeLorean produced a lot of cars, and then Back to the Future made them popular, so people hung on to them. Like, I'm sure the Ecto-1 hearse probably didn't have a lot of uh, production out there. And a lot yeah. of them probably fell by the wayside before the 80s made it popular for uh, the Ghostbusters, for, the, for that particular model. I don't know. I thought that was interesting, and if you want to know more, go to skipco.com.
2: What's the latest on the Ghostbusters movie? Like I just remember seeing that trailer a long time ago.
1: It was okay. So, Ghostbusters Afterlife was supposed to come out, I think, a week or two ago. Like, if really? COVID hadn't hit, we would have seen it by now.
0: No way. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. The release date on that's actually been pushed back to March 2021.
1: Yeah. There okay. You go. Cool.
0: So, it's
2: coming. It's coming. Well, I was reading something interesting about uh, performing surgery, uh, surgery, <laughs> surgery uh, but, but performing it remotely.
1: Okay, using some sort of robotic hands or something?
2: Basically, yeah. A team of Italian uh, physicians actually demonstrated that it was possible to successfully complete an invasive surgery on a patient from nine miles away using remote-controlled robotic tools.
1: They're calling okay. it a telesurgery,
2: like a telephone telesurgery.
1: See, that's interesting, because I feel like the the robotic hands would have to be somewhat comparable to... Human hands, or at least the proportions and the, the you know the length from your wrist to your elbow, because to transfer that, I don't know. I, I'm I'm super curious about how they they translated uh, that info.
2: Well, I did say basically, so it's not human uh, robot hands. I should I, it, it so it's not actually like hands, like they move a hand and then it does something like that. But they are controlling, uh, remote controlled forceps and lasers. And then on the surgeon's end, they look at VR goggles for 3D visual visualization. And then they control the robots remotely with the robotic devices using a tablet and a haptic feedback device.
1: Ooh, man, we love our haptic feedback, too.
2: That's one of those. I was thinking about that. F-
1: yeah, that's a femtosecond subject right there. Haptic feedback.
2: Yeah, we've talked about it before, for sure. Actually, I guess this is not necessarily a new topic. Um The first telesurgery was completed almost 20 years ago, but it was kind of a proof of concept thing because we didn't have the technology, but now this thing says that we have the 5g network, this is happening really fast. Uh. We don't have any lag time between the person doing it and what the robot sees. Actually, there was, give me one second. I was talking about, um, this entire surgery, it was done on a cadaver, by the way. So not on a live person. Let's get that out of the way They, You know, they don't want to test it on a real person. Then the power goes out or the, the network fails or
1: something. Oh, I'm surprised they didn't use but, a mouse or a pig or.
2: Yeah. Right. Might as well. And just kill that thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they were, uh, able to do the vocal. They, they operate on the vocal cords and they were able to do that over the nine miles away. And they only experienced, uh, 280 milliseconds of lag at most between the surgeon's commands and the robot's actions.
1: Huh, okay. I mean, what is that to me? Two hundred, two hundred milliseconds. Two
2: hundred eighty milliseconds. And I think that was over the whole surgery, not just like at once. But yeah, oh, so you wow. know, a second is pretty quick.
1: Wow, over the whole surgery that so a wasn't like... like
2: oh, like if we lost connection for a second, he came back. We know what you're talking about. So he's saying for a surgeon, they've only lost like a couple mill like a couple two hundred eighty milliseconds. That's like,
1: fascinating because that's. I... There's a lot of conspiracy out there about the 5G network, but ultimately it's supposed to be a faster network, and uh, blah blah blah. And that right there is a, you know, that's a that's something in its corner.
2: I was laughing about how this thing says that the first telesurgery happened 20 years ago, and I I was sitting there going, "Is that AOL surgery? Like banana (laughs) now? Like who would (laughs) ever sit there and sign up for that bullshit?" So I guess now technology's. Keep it up with it. But way back in
1: 2000.
2: Yeah. Right. Like for sure. But I liked all the applications of this technology too, because if you think about it, you could just have a guy at a hospital, just putting in shifts and he just, he's controlling a robot here in Alaska and one there in Alabama or something. And he just goes from thing to thing and he never actually has to leave. Usually, you know, you have to go see the doctor that's operating on you. Now these experts can maybe phone in their operations you could also, you know, again, Antarctica, places like that.
1: I Well, exactly. I could see this kind of um, in the future revolutionizing the industry in that you have a surgeon that's really good at heart stuff. But instead of having to fly the patient into that surgeon's uh, hospital, you know, you can just set that surgeon up with a, uh, a room or, you know, his own situation where he puts on the goggles and does his thing, an operating room. Mm-hmm. And – sure. uh, from there, you can you can put stations in like every major city. So instead of flying yeah. someone around the world, you know you can just take them to the next closest city.
2: Exactly, and then whatever experts on hand will just maybe just get to you that way.
1: Ah, and that's fascinating. I don't know. It's always, another. Uh, oh yeah. Well, no, it, this is one of those topics that it's always fun to think about how it could uh, change the industry and change the world. Right? I don't. I don't want to get all grandiose mm-hmm. about it, but yeah. Uh, the, that's a that's a very interesting thing right there. Because you can apply that to all sorts of um, jobs and uh, skills.
2: I remember your last episode we were talking about the, you know, beaming internet from space. So if we started getting that up and running too, then you really could maybe be, be operated just go to like the robotic center and then whoever the cheapest bidder online, shady, shady dude number three, <laughs> uh, you, give him, you give him 80 bucks, he'll take your spleen out. <laughs> or something like that.
1: Totally. Totally.
2: Um, this They're also thinking, too, maybe this could be used like on the space station, something like that. You know, if someone needs oh. surgery out there. I mean, I mean honestly, space station is probably as far as we can't be doing shit on the moon yet.
1: No, but I mean, like, apply uh, the space station uh, idea to someone on Earth that's good with circuitry or something like that you know, hardware yeah. that they need to put up there and have them assess the situation. Like that, that right there is cool.
2: For sure. I mean, it's all about just the tools they give them. And they're talking about, they gave them like laser tools, cutting tools. They they were, they, they said the haptic feedback thing, they were using a tablet at one point and they had the goggles on. <laughs> so as long as they have all the tools for the job they need, they could see what they need to do. And they have some type of hand or tool that could maneuver.
1: Yeah. Remember when well, they not. tried to get VR off the ground like two decades ago and it just didn't work and it was clunky and not very good? Yeah. Now you can buy a VR set for like 400 bucks and it's good to go and it's awesome. And you can buy like some of the best games out there. I
2: know. At one point, I kind of want to get one because I remember how much fun we had on our buddy's VR system. <laughs> And I wonder if they have like even upgrades now or whatever. I mean, I would love to just devote a room see, to that. If I, if I had all this money, I'd devote a VR room. And <laughs> the holodeck. Kind of PlayStation 5, man. Yeah, dude.
0: I think that's your best bet. Wait for the PlayStation 5. I think you can buy a bundle with it and then it will be like new tech. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. I think it'll be buffed up a little bit since the last time we played.
1: see, uh, there's an Oculus out there that you can buy is that's just the goggles and it runs all the system within the goggles. But I like the idea of the goggles being a slave to the console because the nice. console is always going to have bigger and better technology behind it.
2: Processing power. And yeah, stuff. yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So that's a cool option there. I never thought about that.
2: It'd be nice if we get cordless with that stuff.
1: Well, yeah, there's you know. a lot of cords with that stuff.
2: Exactly. I, I mean that's not that's not that big a deal, but that'd be sick if we could start getting cordless.
1: What are you talking about? I would assume the next gen would be cordless. They like the handles eh, that you no. grab onto would be Bluetooth. Those are already Bluetooth. And then I mean,
2: okay, but I mean the headset seems to never be cordless. I mean, is it? Was that'd Grundles?
1: Be- we played on Grundles, that's our friend. Do we play yeah. was his uh, corded?
2: Yes. For sure. It was it was connected
1: to the I don't think computer, I've seen a wireless like, headset yet. Oh, yeah, and
2: even then it probably sucked like cuz that's a feed all that information real time and
1: Well, and so okay. It would probably die so fast. I played one that True. was uh, that was um cordless but it was the Oculus one that was like 400 bucks and uh, it was all processed within the headset. And it was it was good. You know, I'm I'm sure you're not going to be running like 3D Call of Duty on it is the thing. Yeah, but
2: it worked. I think for now the the technology is cord Wow! Oh, you know, for a while back in the day. Controller was cord, and then it, now it's wireless is fine. Even my mouse now is wireless, which is insane. I thought I was cord for life, but this mouse has been proven supposedly like to be just as fast and faster than cords.
1: I feel like we need to come up with new Bluetooth. It's holding us back. Need, like five G. Bluetooth, Bluetooth two. Yeah, yeah, Red Tooth.
2: One more thing. Back to that surgery really quick. Uh, the the doctors actually said they described feelings of less stress during these delicate actions. Because the robotic devices provided great stability and smooth motions, allowing them to be more precise and confident during the operation.
1: That's very cool because then you could program in uh, some sort of um, – like I, I use drawing pads from time to time. Uh-huh. And uh, you can program in a tolerance to where you move your pin across the screen, but your hand is not perfect, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to shake a little bit. And you can set the tolerance to ignore some of that shake and smooth out your line. So that I imagine is cool. Yeah, I imagine you can do the same with this to really kind of eliminate some of that shake.
2: Yeah, or just, just the mental idea of like if I sneeze this guy, I'm gonna stab him in the heart. <laughs> Versus you can sneeze all you want on this three, but oh no big deal. Okay, let's let's cut this guy's heart open. Right. And the robot's just gonna be doing whatever you tell it to do. So I mean, I guess human error still exists, but you have to kind of fuck up even more if they actually hit the wrong button versus that's
1: Just like, oh, oh, God, I could have. No, no. That's actually it on that time. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you guys think there's a place on Earth where life couldn't exist? Well, hang, on, hang on. Beside Max's tender.
2: I, I was just i was just say my butthole. <laughs> it's <was> funnier.
1: <laughs> Kim, that's teeming with life. I, there's life in
2: my butt, I guess. I guess. That's my quote, isn't it? There's life in my butthole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess bacterial life. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Any sort of life. Like, do you think life um do you think there's some place on earth on the surface of earth where life couldn't exist?
2: Well, couldn't exist and doesn't exist it might be different too because would say maybe there's some piece of in the sky just floating there that doesn't have life right there in it but if you put life there and it loaded or something I guess it could exist there.
1: So oh uh, you're muted. Yeah you're muted Mr. E. Sorry about that. Uh
0: how about inside a volcano?
1: Oh okay Yeah, how about
0: that buddy how about how about in the center of the earth itself I <laughs> <laughs> said, said on, on the surface
1: surface bitch. Yeah thank you for you listening did? Mr oh, E. <laughs> oh I don't listen all right I just jumped to conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> um well, you got me there, mystery. I don't know about that one, but you're probably right. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Let me tell you about this. Um, so the whole idea, like, we found life in uh, glaciers and stuff, and microbes living in ten thousand year old ice, and so yeah,
2: yeah underwater uh, in like extreme pressures and salt veins, and
1: yeah, it's so yeah. generally in uh, caves. The common theory is that wherever l- water exists life probably does too, right? Yeah, can't be far behind. So a study published in uh, Nature and Ecology and Evolution, it suggests that they found a place on Earth Earth that life can't exist.
2: I was say salty, but that doesn't work either, right? No, it's that um, volcano.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. you got it, you son of a bitch. No, the place is the uh, Dalal Geothermal Springs in Ethiopia.
2: That was my next guess. I was so close to saying that, too. But then he said volcano.
1: So this place contains pools. Yeah, we all know. Yeah. It contains pools of the world's most acidic, saltiest, and superheated water. Uh, How hot is
2: it? I was sitting there like, dude, that's all we hear, though, is about life existing in that shit. So that's why I'm sitting there like, "Mm, is that enough?
1: I don't know how hot it is. But this whole thing sits on top of like uh, kind of like volcanic land. So, you're you're on the right track there.
2: It's just like boiling water sitting somewhere. Like life can't exist in bo- constant boiling water. Yeah, but yeah, some of it can. Though there are some hot sulfur springs, I swear. But so oh.
1: well, and so the life you're talking about—they call those extreme extremophiles—and those are like yeah, little, I heard that term. Yeah, yeah, little microbes that live in these just extreme conditions that no one thought would ever be possible. But extremophiles. Extremophiles do it, and uh, a new. Th- The new theory suggests that uh, previous research, which suggested that extremophiles lived in this land, may have been contaminated by biomorphs, nano-sized silica grains that uh, resemble small cells. And so the new theory suggests that that stuff is, uh, the old studies were wrong and no life actually exists here. That was all just contaminated samples.
2: When I get my mutant power, I want it to be biomorph.
1: (laughs) That's your name? Biomorph?
2: It's my name. That's my power. I don't know what a biomorph is, but I just like the way it hits my ear. I'm like, biomorph. Go, go biomorph. It sounds like I can morph my body. What is biomorph? You said it's just like casually, like biomorphs.
1: I think a biomorph, you can turn your hand into coral or something. Oh, <laughs> That's what I imagine. Oh, go on. Yeah. Go on.
0: Perfect. A biomorph. <laughs> yeah just a living form of life i think what what now a living form of life that's what biomorph means right bio living and morph like form or form yeah
2: i'm even there too now
1: yeah okay i'll take it okay biomorph we're all biomorph
0: (laughs) you're not that special okay i guess (laughs) what about biomorphism (laughs)
1: I
2: like that. Oh, that's, that's offensive. Actually, uh, that's an artistic design. Okay, sorry. Off topic. Get back to the, Sorry, let's go.
1: No, that was pretty much it. The whole idea of uh, contaminants and whatnot. And so this, this article or this theory uh, shined a spotlight on uh, NASA's rovers looking for life on Mars. And those guys are essentially using older technology. And so the yeah. technology has progressed in that uh, we now think that the, we're going to send a new rover to Mars to look for life. Actually, okay, and yeah. uh, put new technology on that, and so there will be uh, less of a chance of this kind of contamination or false readings with this newer technology.
2: What was what's the name of the new one? Isn't it? Do you know that offhand? Isn't it something like Endurance or something? There's like a new one coming out.
1: I do. It's called the uh, the Cricket.
2: The rickety cricket.
1: <laughs> the rickety cricket. Yeah, it's a really shitty rover. They're just sending it to Mars.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's but it survives anything.
1: It used to be a priest.
2: I'll say, actually, I'm reading about a, a NASA spacecraft, too, that's being built currently. So it's Ooh. not a Mars rover, though. But this is, um, NASA's actually about to begin building this latest spacecraft and it's called Psyche. P- uh, P-S-Y-C-H-E. And I was like, Psyche? I mean, maybe it's Psyche. And I sh- I, I, I'm not sure if I should be saying Psyche. That's the one thing I should have done is look up a, a, you a know, Google and, Psyche. I mean, it's spelled like Psyche, like the show Psyche, except there's an E at the end, so maybe the Psyche.
1: Isn't Psyche spelled with an E? I don't, know. I don't watch that show. I think
2: so. And I'm so a terrible spell. And why, why can we're so ignorant and stupid and we just go <laughs> on air knowing nothing like multi-tooling. tool. is Psyche. Psyche. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Good Psyche. I, I, if I called it Psyche the whole time, I would have been stupid. Okay, cool.
1: So NASA's building this Psyche ship.
2: You don't realize it until you're, you're reading it. Then you say it out loud. You're like, oh, shit. Psyche. Okay. So NASA's building a spacecraft and it's called Psyche. And it's going to explore a 140-mile asteroid that's called 16 Psyche. Okay. And that's that's neat, right?
1: Why should I care?
2: Here's why you should care.
1: Okay, so <laughs> blow my mind.
2: I will. So the metals that make up the asteroid could be worth up to $10 quadrillion.
1: Mind blown. I love it. Space <laughs> more, mining.
2: More than the entire global economy combined, it says, or something.
0: <laughs>
1: Oh my god, oh.
2: that's hilarious. So, that's so, 16 Psyche is thought to be an exposed iron, nickel, and gold core of a protoplanet.
1: Uh, okay, uh, run through that again. I Gold, <laughs> iron, nickel?
2: <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a exposed iron, nickel, and gold core of a protoplanet. The other day we talked about huh. a planet core, but this is a protoplanet core, which basically means a weird, very small... Could have been a maybe planet, but not really.
1: Oh, okay. Just yeah. never got off the ground.
2: And type of deal. But it managed oh, yeah. to it gather
1: these low. heavy elements together. That's cool. Well,
2: that's why they think it is a core versus they just got because it's in the. Oh yeah, um, it's located in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. So if you think about it, there's a bunch of rocks out there. So it could have been this protoplanet core. These because these cores attract rocks to itself, and that's how kind of planets form. But maybe it just kind of became a small. Kind of could have done it, but just didn't quite do it. Planet thing, lo- they got smashed a bunch in this asteroid field. So, but then that core metal, you know, gold, nickel, iron core, is still out there.
1: That's very cool. I love, around. I love that uh, it's right in our neighborhood too. So we go study it, and it's going to be there for eternity. So we have all the time in the world to go pick it apart and play with it and gather its resources.
2: Well, I already have a plan for it.
1: Oh yeah, what do you what do you what are you building with this thing?
2: Well, I think we should take psyche because. Psyche's on the way there just to, like, study and look at it, like, measure it and all that boring stuff. But I think we should send Psyche to do all this – get this, this like, data gathering. But then we send a bunch of robots, obviously, that attach to their asteroid and have all this fuel that start pushing it back toward us. And so we crash it into the moon or, or Mars or one of Mars's – maybe one of Mars's moons, somewhere where we can get to it. So we're going to, like – you know what I mean? We're going to send it – maybe we can even send it just to Mars and get it caught in the Mars – orbit trajectory and then when we start colonizing Mars, we'll just I want the gold. I want the gold from the from the thing. I want the ten quadrillion dollars. This is the biggest heist in American America, America in the world's history. Well so I and, mean I, and I want it.
1: You bring up a good question there in that how do you get it back to Earth? And maybe you're right in that you have something extract it, but maybe whatever it extracts it can guide it back to Earth, like hang on to it and bring it back to Earth's atmosphere and then drop it and we can you know, we can uh, engineer it to drop it in such a way that it drops in the middle of the desert or someplace uh, where we can claim it
2: and nuke the planet. Like, what are you trying well, to? Do? I don't like, know. Is still pretty big, I think. I think. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think if I have the the size of it, but I think it, if it's a fucking protoplanet core, I don't think it's. We can't bring that into the atmosphere. No. the atmosphere of Earth. I was I was joking, saying smashing it on the moon.
1: No, no, I <laughs> think you? you're. I think you're onto something in that maybe dropping it and leaving the vessel that was able to bring it back and forth out in space is a good thing. Like to – so to gold, first of all, is very heavy. So to land it safely and enough worth the trip, you're probably talking about a lot of weight and a lot of resources to do that. Whereas if you were to drop it somewhere – and, of course, this would be – a chunk small enough not to cause a global extinction. You're talking
2: about dropping on the planet, right? Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we drop it somewhere Uh, where uh, we can just retrieve it and bada bing, bada boom.
2: I want to take my chunk. Like my, I think that's too, I don't know. Like I want to take the whole thing. I basically want to send a bunch of maneuvering thrusters on and make the asteroid a spaceship.
1: Oh, that's what I was trying to tell you the
2: whole time. Like I, you thought I was saying a robot that digs like two chunks of it and like it gets it back to earth and all that stuff. I want to bunch of robots that make it a maneuvering thruster. And we go like fire all thrusters we, we 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 send it even to our own orbit, Earth's orbit, so it becomes like a a, 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 a second a mini moon, moon, yeah, a mini moon which you've talked about, uh-huh, uh-huh, something like that, and then we could just we'll blast up and grab some gold as much as we want. I, but then gold <laughs> would
1: be nothing.
2: so I love if we had, if we had ten quadrillion worth, we wouldn't really it would be worth it'd be worthless too.
1: Well, now I'm wrapping my head around your first idea of essentially uh, strapping rockets onto a protoplanet core and smashing it into Mars. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. Like,
1: like that's feasible I think one too. Of the
2: moons. I think one of the moons, because Mars has like a bunch of moons, one <laughs> of the moons, then we can go explore Mars and then the moon's right there. But I'm almost liking more getting it even closer and closer to us. Just the closer it is to us, the easier it's going to be to get that, that sexy, sexy gold that will be worth that thing because we have so much of it now. Gold's always worth something, right? I don't know. Have you had qu- 10 quadrillion worth of it? Well. Quadrillion. I I've mean, heard of trillion. Quadrillion. <laughs> so it just, it, that'd be like gold. Let's pave the streets in gold. The Our spaceships would be golden. That'd be sick, actually. That'd be fucking sick if we had golden spaceships.
1: Aren't there studies out there that say the amount of gold on the planet is equal to like 10 Olympic swimming pools filled with gold? And if you think that's not a lot of gold considering we have that's gold not- in most of our electronics around us, a lot of jewelry, uh bars in Fort Knox like you know, we've eaten up a decent chunk of that amount.
2: There's a fuck ton of gold in the ocean.
1: And you know what also? I can't get to it. I I think it's more about the sentimentality of it too because if you're looking at uh uh synthetic diamonds which are virtually the same as naturally grown diamonds, mm-hmm. That market is still huge. People still care about where it comes from.
2: That's weird. though. Dude, synthetic diamonds are the exact same thing, if not better. They're cheaper, and you can have like any color you want. The yeah, diamonds you can I'm, have like, a huge fish-sized one, and it's a diamond. You're-
1: I've heard there's like refraction differences in it. You know, there's like clarity differences or some such like that. But I don't know. I haven't done my research on that one.
2: Well, I looked into diamonds, synthetic diamonds but I thought I was going to be diamond man when I'd have a suit of synthetic diamonds. Oh, and did like you? Punch bullets out of the air. Uh-huh. Stuff with my thought, but it didn't it just, the math didn't work out. <laughs> um, she found out you were but, um, poor and didn't have enough money for... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I couldn't afford one diamond, but it's a synthetic or real. Uh, um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm going forward on that. But um, the goal of this, uh, back to the psyche thing really quick, is to orbit the asteroid by 2026. And they just got um, – and ins- they passed, like, their big inspection. So they're actually going to build it now. And they have to build three new tools for the for the-, the Psyche um, robot, I should call it. Oh, no, spacecraft. Uh, they need to do a magnometer to measure the asteroid's magnetic field. Okay. They need to do a multispectral imager to capture images of its surfaces and data about what it's made of right. and geological features. Of course. And then a spectrometer to analyze the neutrons and the gamma rays coming from the surface to reveal what the asteroid's made of. Oh, you know what? Maybe what if those things that might be radioactive, we probably shouldn't smash it into the moon. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like radioactive. <laughs> I think uh, my first plan of smashing it in the moon, which I still think is not the worst idea. Cause then our, our, when we make our moon base there, we just a golden moon base and it's all there, but the radiation's probably bad. That's a good point. But one more thing, just to get, before we get off this ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. is um, this new mission is also going to test a new laser communication technology
0: Ooh. called
2: deep deep space optical communications. So Fun. Instead of using waves, that's I think it's going to use a laser, and that's all I really said. I couldn't get more info on that for now. So
1: well, that makes tons of sense because radio waves travel at the speed of radio waves, and light travels faster than
2: radio waves. So actually, don't radio waves? Yeah, never. Mind. Yeah.
1: No, I don't know if that I don't know if what I just said there is fact, but. I'm uh, not sure. Yeah, I
2: think radio waves might
1: No, All I know is subspace communications travel faster than anything else.
2: Yeah, I mean, lasers are fast.
0: We all know that. <laughs> so what's, your, what's your thing? So, guys, I saw an article the other day that had an interesting title. Okay. It said metal eating bacteria discovered by accident over a century after it was first predicted.
2: Dude, this is actually a topic, again, when I was doing topics for this. Earlier, I almost did this one. And then as a reader, I was like, ah, there's too much information. I'm going to do it some other day. So <laughs> I only- oh,
0: I'm, I'm glad, glad you haven't done it. it.
2: Yeah, dude, I only read the title and I read like maybe like
0: a couple sentences, but I don't know anything about it. That's awesome. Okay. So basically that researchers from Caltech discovered a bacteria that can metabolize manganese, which, as we all know, is one of the most abundant elements in the Earth's surface mm-hmm. and they can use it as energy.
1: Manganese. So that's all I, read,
2: manganese. I don't even know what like i know, i've never used manganese but I, that's all i read is it ate manganese and i'm like okay whatever what that means but i was like that's cool though that it does that but
0: what does that mean yeah so it says there's two different species and the bacteria could use the metal and produce energy to st- sustain and grow in the most minimal of environments despite scientists predicting it for over a century this is the first time bacteria has been shown to use manganese in chemosynthesis so there's been other bacteria, it sounds like that can eat manganese but not actually process it as energy. Oh so wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It's eating. So it's actually so, eating metal. So the way it was discovered was this guy who has a great last name for this is Professor Jared Ledbetter. <laughs> <laughs> He's a professor of environmental microbiology at Caltech. And he made the discovery by accident because he was out of the office for several months. And he left a jar filled with manganese and tap water from a previous experiment. And when he came back, that's all it took. Just a few months. When he came back, the whole jar was coated with a black substance and he had like the light bulb come on. It was like he believed it could be the result of the fabled bacteria that could metabolize manganese. Uh, so they began testing it and they discovered the two new, uh, bacterial species living in the tap water were using the leftover manganese as food, creating a black byproduct. Later is this, is as this California? Is this California? Where is this? Okay. yeah, California Institute for Technology. <laughs> fucking tap water?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you said it like, like so like, oh, just tap water. I thought it was be some fucking like and yeah, this spilled and this happened, and then these like just tap water
0: and something metal. Okay, that's that's not the time. Yeah. Fucking, so, yeah. So there's a quote here. This is kind of a quote. He says <laughs> There's a whole set of environmental engineering literature on drinking water distribution systems getting clogged by manganese oxide. But how and for what reasons such material is generated has therein remained an enigma. Edward. (laughs) 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 Clearly many scientists have considered that bacteria using manganese for energy might be responsible, but they've never had any evidence to support it. That's funny because like, do I? Yeah, you have to say something. But yeah.
1: what, so, what we need to do is now filter our tap water with uh, your new aluminum Fepto second laser bullshit that we brought up on the last <laughs> I was episode.
2: Same, I would say that same thought. Yeah. yeah. For sure. What it's if you uh, can make like a Brita filter of that device to throw in the sun and just drink something?
1: Okay. Like, well,
0: that's pretty much what it does. Um, it says, despite its pipe clogging drawbacks, research have found manganese oxide to play an important role in reducing pollutants in groundwater. Uh, Key bacterial species use it in a process called bioremediation, which was uh, a word that I looked up, which if you don't know, means uh, the use of either naturally occurring or deliberately introducing microorganisms or other form of life to break down environmental pollutants. Biomediation? Bioremediation. Remediation. Yes. Nice. So, mm-hmm. manganese oxide plays a huge role in that, and they can basically use this to filter out pollutants in groundwater.
2: I just found the name of my first stripper daughter. <laughs> Bio remediation. <laughs> What's your name, honey? Bio remediation. Your father hated you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought that'd be your stripper name.
2: Well, I guess yeah. Well, I figured if you name her that, she has to become a stripper, right? But yeah, that'd be just a good stripper name, I should say. <laughs> I don't have any kids. (laughs) I'm joking, podcast world. That's called a joke, by the way. I have no children. That was a metaphorical one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, the last point here, which I think is also cool, which is something I never knew, it said for centuries, there have been large metallic nodules that have been found along the seabed and have puzzled scientists. And they mainly consist of manganese, but they also have concentrated rare metals. And these balls have been the interest of biologicals and mining companies. And it says, through the discovery of manganese metabolizing bacteria, it's possible bacteria similar to the ones found in Ledbetter's lab are responsible for this. And if research can understand the nodule's origin, they may be able to help protect local ecosystems
1: from excessive mining. Huh. So ultimately, this is used to clean water. That's what we will use this for.
0: That's what we use it for, I'm assuming. And then it was building up in the the reservoirs you said, right? There was Bacterium like might also be res- the same species of bacteria might also be responsible for producing these large metallic nodules that are just randomly found in seabeds, like just like a piece of metal. Or I guess manganese is metal. Is metal ho- manganese hard? Is that like a? I would think I guess, so. I don't know. Like is that what I know? Mercury is a metal that's not. as But it does say manganese as well as concentrated rare metals yeah and they're
1: talking about finding it in clumps so i can't imagine it's uh it's liquid but it you know it could be brittle the the structure could be brittle
0: i guess whatever once it starts building up it just attracts you know it's i mean if i'm understanding this correctly does that do you guys think that they're going to artificially create metals for mining like that just so we could have unlimited supply of mining or am i reading too far into that I mean, like how do you make artificial? How do you make artificial manganese? Is that what you like mean? By using this bacteria to create those precious metals or whatever it's saying. Oh, I thought this this bacteria eats it. I thought or eats. Right? How's producing large no- 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 nodules on the seabed? C- That's the part that I, I'm not understanding.
1: Mm. Right. That's interesting.
0: The manganese with the ta- with the tap water created. Maybe it poops it out, for lack of a better term. Maybe, huh? maybe it digests it and gets energy and poops out the rest. See, this is why I was like hesitant on reporting on it, but we do talk <laughs> about things we're not supposed to talk about or we're undereducated oh, on. So yeah, I dude, that holds you back. Yeah, dude, <laughs> was perfect. Come on, what's I don't, our? talk about?
1: <laughs> what's our tagline?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got to go with what the show says. But yeah, I just thought that was super funny, especially because uh, how he discovered it by accident. He like didn't clean up his mess before he went on like a three month trip. <laughs> <laughs> so That's to like, be more than thing. anything. Is just yeah. yeah, like
2: it's. Came out of the tap water. He left his sink, and he came back and discovered some funky <laughs> shit. And then we're all supposed to be like, "Oh, tap water, ah, just drink it. Like it's no big deal." Right? I mean, I mean, I mean if you get that, if you get that crazy about it, though, you're drinking all sorts of crazy shit in there.
1: Yeah, I For mean, sure. I have a Brita filter, but I'm sure it's not catching every piece of bacteria, especially this manganese-eating bacteria. Like, I'm sure I'm getting doses of that. Same with the fluoride too, and the mind control agents.
2: <laughs> I was reading something about um, synthetic spider silk. Again? Yeah, that's something we have talked about <laughs> for years and years and years. Have we talked about it on this show? I know. We, I feel like we mentioned the goats, the spider goats.
1: Yeah, we've mentioned spider goats, and we've mentioned that um, uh, the God, I forget the exact term, but it was a biologically created. Um, Oh, the chimera thing! Structure that was much stronger than anything we've created before, and it was thanks to some uh biology. It, it produced naturally. I think it was. I, I don't. I don't know. It was. It was silky, or it was some insect, or something. Um, I'm floundering. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure if the answer is yes
2: on that. <laughs> but, like, talk, it's okay. Uh, we've talked about spider silk a couple times, like. We talked about it. We've talked about natural materials that are strong. Um, I know we talked about some like wood pulp, weird shit that was also a strong natural material. But okay. Spider silk is a strong material because it's just per pound, it can hold a lot of weight and it's thin and it's bio compatible. Um, and then a long time ago on a whole other podcast, we talked about people because spider silk so, is so strong that if you if you could mass produce it. Then we could do a lot of things. That's a lot of stuff on the show. If you could mass
0: produce
2: it, then it would be amazing. Absolutely. And and one idea a long time ago that I guess never took off is they modified some goats where they made them their milk had spider silk in it, spider silk fibers. Now it could be a way to do it. We talked about it a long time ago and that never came to fruition. Okay. But now I read this new article about genetically modified bacteria that are able to produce synthetic spiders.
1: Oh. Okay.
2: And uh, let's see. So it's a it's a it's a marine bacterium. So it came from water or the ocean. I'm assuming. I uh, should have looked it up. And um, it's been genetically engineered to produce spider silk, and which is great because, like I said, if, if there's many applications if we could mass produce such things, such as medical purposes, aerospace, or even the clothing industry. It says. I like the medical applications the best, honestly.
1: Well, so it's just straight up spider silk, right? There's it, it's not genetically altered. It's just.
2: It says synthetic spider silk, so it's synthetic, but it's still, they're considering it's spider silk.
1: Fascinating. Okay.
2: So that's actually what it's making. It's making dragline silk, and so that's the silk that spiders use to form the spokes of their webs.
1: Oh, that's the heavy-duty stuff.
2: I I don't know. Okay, I didn't really think about it too much. Well, because that would be like,
1: that's like your anchor line, you know? The foundation Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's that's your heavy-duty stuff, whereas the rest of oh, it... Oh, I
2: get it, like the spokes of the web. I get it. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, the rest of it, the, the, extra kinds, yeah. the winding part is probably meant to be more sticky, you know, so they produce a different web that would be used to catch the prey, whereas the other ones are built for foundation.
2: You know, I don't know shit about spiders, it's but scary. I'm just going to be um, Reading this topic, I somehow stumbled on some other just theory thing where it's like, how come spiders don't stick to their own webs? And uh, I only know this because I read the the article, but I'm going to butcher it. But basically it said that like some of their webs has like little blue globules on them and some of their webs don't. And then they also have little pinchers or claws at the end of their feet that are coated in a nonstick thing. And there's even some claw thing too that almost like cuts away anything that sticks. (sighs) And that's why they don't stick to their own webs.
1: Thank God they're not six feet tall say
2: that <laughs> oh dude, yeah they did dominate the whole fucking you know uh,
1: yeah In australia yeah. they're
0: close <laughs> <you> that? <laughs> I'm serious. They're about there. Sure.
2: so yeah like if we had drag line silk we could it's it's a tough lightweight and biodegradable thing it's bio so that means we could use it with living tissue and it's not going to be attacked by the animal's immune system so again that'd be a great you Is that know like spider use. stitches uh that's exactly what i was going to say like that'd be like a spider stitch even yeah. though I guess stitches don't necessarily reject, but I guess but you could I also use these for something. Or maybe internally. Hmm. Possibly. Again, this is just more theory crafting. Yeah, Spiderweb stitches. That's pretty badass. It's also mentioned like um, <laughs> this would also make it, um, you could uh, use it as a drug delivery system, implant devices, or use scaffolding for tissue engineering. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember a, lot, a while ago we talked about some type of scaffolding and some. I can't remember now, so but it was something to, to like a, along the lines that we could with a scaffolding print. What was what were we printing? Oh man, I'm I'm gonna remember. It was, we were printing something that was awesome and gonna change the world, and it yeah. was using scaffolding, and we weren't even using silk strands. It was something else. Do you remember?
1: Nope. I see you looking at me yeah. like <laughs> come up with an answer. and oh, I'm like mm, and I
2: was like because I know that's I know we're close to one of our old topics, and it's like on this show, and I'm like ah whatever. <laughs>
1: No, I we're always talking opinion. about uh, – yeah. I love the idea that you mentioned that it, it could be a drug delivery system because half of the crap we come up with that's nanoscale or we we do stories on are all about like, oh, this could be used as a drug delivery system in the future.
2: I kind of glossed over that because I, even I sit there like, how, how, how does that – how do you do that? Right. Like, if you have Spirosilk, what are you going to do? Like put the drugs on the silk and like weave it through his butthole? Like how does that really <laughs> – what is that going to get in, How does that get into the person? So, I mean, I guess it's a small string, but – how does that deliver the drugs, though? <laughs> so, really is this that.
1: a, a that. is this a study out of some university or something, or
2: just no, just me personally? I'm doing this.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Whatever.
1: No, it is, but I
2: don't have that information in front of me. Sometimes, in, in sometimes to make room for more information, I delete such information. And I'm an asshole. I should. I should improve, I should. I'm sorry.
1: Well, no. I'm the sorry. only reason. The only reason I ask is. Uh, because if it's not, usually it's like a company that's trying to manufacture this and they found a way. And this is, we're announcing our way to manufacture it. And we're hoping you contact us about possible applications. That's sometimes I do know regist.
2: that Chun Pin Fung is involved with the study.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. So it must be somewhere in China or Japan or not America, pretty much.
1: Well, I wish him um, luck.
2: Yeah, me too. I mean, that sounds amazing. They, they, they come up with the best stuff as we figure out this show. <laughs> Every other topic is just something like Jap- Japan, China is just doing amazing things, making robots and it's just always us trying to I don't know, build handkerchiefs. Make a bigger cheeseburger. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm still down for that. Don't get wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got a story out of China, actually. Any other thoughts on yours?
2: <laughs> no, that's no, pretty much kind of the idea right there. Like, of course, they still need to kind of figure out how to mass produce it as much as they can. But um, they created basically a micro microbial cell factory and it only needs seawater and sunlight. And then it could maybe create this bacteria. And since the bacteria is actually somewhat photosynthetic, it would produce its own nutrients. So again, this is like why they're saying this this could be a viable way to maybe mass produce these silks, even though they've only done it small scale. Very cool. If this trend continues, maybe there could be a spider silk farm out there that we, Because I remember they even say spider silk is so strong and light that they could be, if you had a bunch of it, you could make armor out of it.
1: Well, yeah. Samurais used to use it back in the day because it was hard to uh, uh, stab through. What? Yeah. Samurais would, uh, they had their armor, and then they wore silk layers underneath because it was hard to stab through. It was easier to slash, and that's why they developed slash weapons. Slashing yeah. swords, as opposed to, uh, for instance, like European knights who just armored themselves up and their swords were designed to stab rather than slash.
2: They've been like spider, like they just threw like spider webs on them every time they found them. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You <laughs> mean like <laughs> silk. You mean silk. Okay. They, yeah. I get that.
1: <laughs> silk. Yes. Yes. It's essentially an armor. For sure. So I got a story here out of China. Like I said, uh, this is about children that grew up with no siblings. So, uh, first only child, yeah, only child. So first, uh, let me ask you, mystery. You have a brother, right? Yes, sir. And he's older. Correct. Okay. Did you grow up with him?
0: Yes. My whole life.
1: Okay. Now, uh, Max, I know you have siblings and I think you have an older brother. Did you grow up with him? Not really. Okay. So research in China studied more than 250 college students to test the theory that, uh, in general, only children are considered to be smarter, but less sociable than children who grew up with siblings. Hmm. Okay,
0: all right.
2: I mean, why is that? I yeah. I almost get to know so not like less sociable because I guess they didn't have someone to interact with. But why are they I smarter? I agree. Yeah, I'm totally with him. Uh, unless unless maybe they got all the attention of the parent, maybe. Versus if you had like three people in the household, they're like, oh, hey, here's how to. Cut fish, and he teaches number two how to build a fire versus if it was all the attention number one that give him all that info.
1: So I think, yeah, I think that leans into the idea that uh, they would be smarter in that sense.
0: Okay, huh? Okay, more parenting time for them to learn things. I think, if I'm getting that correctly, that that's my guess. That's I don't know what it is. Study that says
2: that's a guess.
1: So uh, myself, I grew up with lots of siblings, older and younger. And then, uh, so I just want to put that out there before I dive into the rest of this. So here are, are the results. You are dumb as fuck. Now. <laughs> so um, that's a joke. Okay. What they did to test them were they tested them on creativityness, IQ, and agreeableness, which I thought was
2: oh, funky, that's an interesting one. <clears throat> yeah.
1: yeah, and they also did brain scans on them as well. Here's what they discovered. Oh, that was good. Uh, IQ was pretty much the same as children who grew up with siblings. So, okay. yeah, part of that uh, common held belief can be swept aside. Okay. Uh, next one, uh, for creativity, they found that they had higher levels of flexibility, which is one measure maybe, of creativity.
2: Maybe because they're alone all the time, so they just sit there and make their own <laughs> adventures or something. Again, versus if there's like a kid there, like, punching you in the face. You have to deal with the reality
1: board, right? I don't know. Yeah, uh, the other measures of creativity, which they scored uh, relatively the same on, are originality and fluency. The uh, the the fluency meaning the idea that you can just move from one creative thought to another. Um, okay. Okay. And then agreeability.
2: I'm wondering how they tested all this, but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, I did. I didn't go into that, but uh, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he said brain scans. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have the brain scan results as well, but this is all just the written tests and whatnot. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, agreeability.
2: Like, what do we care it's about the results? What are the results?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, the agree- agreeability was lower for only children versus they're siblings. Less
2: agreeable? <laughs> yes,
1: they're less agreeable.
2: They, they get their way all the time.
1: <laughs> exactly. So first, if,
2: there's, if there's three of them, like, someone has to lose in that scenario, right? At some point. Like, I want to watch this movie. Well, Mister Reed wants to watch *Batman Forever* for the thirtieth time tonight. <laughs> so, so, yeah.
0: so I watch Naruto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves it.
2: He loves Naruto. Just throw that out there, by the way. He, his favorite anime of all time.
1: I know. I'm sorry, 1. guys. I'm sorry. And if if you That's listeners are exactly wondering what we're mean. talking about, go ahead and listen to the last episode where I gave them a Naruto quiz. Not knowing that Mr. E didn't know shit about Naruto, or he knew oh, he knew some. He got perfect. he got half right. No, oh, that's perfect. You need to do a Dragon Ball Z one. I don't know shit about Dragon Ball Z well, except what he's
2: told me, and I won't study or anything stupid. Even though I have watched YouTube videos in the past, I won't do that. In the I bet you I can beat. Anyway, sorry. See, I sorry, think
1: sorry, I've, Rand, but I've observed absorbed uh, enough Dragon Ball Z info over just pop culture references and whatnot. I think I could be dangerous in that one. Kakarot. I know that. (laughs) That's a start.
2: I mean, I could do it for you two because I don't know shit about that universe.
1: No, you need to do aliens for us. Oh. Yeah, for sure. We could go toe-to-toe oh, on that one. That yeah. <laughs>
2: All right. It's going to be a 50-question 50, 50 Scantron quiz. And we'll, have a, we'll have the whole thing on Instagram.
1: <laughs> Anyways, so the brain scans from this uh, subject here, they showed that uh, there were significant differences in the areas of the brain associated with flexibility, imagination, and planning than hmm. the uh, children with siblings. Yeah. So, uh, all that aside, here's another study out of the University of Texas that adds on to this one. And the reason I...
2: completely contradicts it. Okay.
1: Well, uh, that's the reason I asked you how many siblings you have. So, uh, yeah, Mr. E, you got one older brother that you lived with. Uh, Max, you have an older brother, but you didn't necessarily live with him.
2: Well, I mean, if you want to go crazy, like, I only have half siblings, in theory, for this genetic... Conversation here. Uh-huh. So I, I technically have two brothers and four sisters. If you want to go crazy, so but I have I a think, lot of siblings. But I didn't grow up really with any of them. I'm the youngest of all that by like ten years, so I barely lived with some of them.
1: Yeah, I think this study is more about uh, your time spent with the individuals as you as I you were develop. developing. I so, think so too. So, uh, and myself, I grew up with uh, two. No, uh, an older brother. And then uh, younger sisters and younger brother. So
2: it's several cats and, and dogs. Several
1: and- cats and dogs, yeah. So um, a separate study out of the University of Texas showed only children or children with just one sibling or for- firstborn tend to score higher on IQ tests and generally achieve more.
2: Interesting. Maybe like even the firstborn kind of on some level gets all the attention until there's a second and a third and then you know, but even then just that I guess it's all about attention and focus on if you have
1: kids. Well, that's what I'm taking away from this. Well, what I take away from this is I think uh, Mr. E came out ahead of all of us. <laughs> like as okay. far as growing up, I mean, you've already known that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Growing up with one Stable sibling, uh, according to the University of Texas, is better. Uh, unfortunately, okay. you were not the firstborn, Mr. E, so you missed out on that.
0: Yeah. Yes, I know. Firstborn in my family is a fuck up, so no, I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God he doesn't listen to this podcast, huh?
0: Oh, shit. <laughs> I love it.
1: But uh, yeah, cause I knew, I knew Max, uh, you had a couple siblings, I had a couple of siblings out there as well. So I'm like really on the lower end of the spectrum. Cause at, at least, least you're, you're an only child.
2: Siblings. Like I had siblings, but I was, by the time I was getting conscious and be like, Hey, my brother, they're, they're like, they're, they're almost out of the house. Practically. You know, they're all, and even then they're like older teenagers versus he, your siblings are like, same with Mr. E, Like they're closer in age. Like they're, you almost have to deal with them more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's
2: see. I'll give you a choice on this one. I have a couple left. I'm curious. Do you want to hear about a 3D printer? A big one? Oh, this is biased. <laughs> or or uh, maybe uh, how the atmosphere kind of rings a little bit or vibrates or a black hole thing.
1: Uh, I like atmosphere.
2: All right. So to understand this topic, you need to understand that a ringing bell vibrates simultaneously and a low-pitched fundamental tone and a many higher-pitched overtone producing musical sound. That's how a bell works. So there's basketball. two
1: different frequencies coming from a bell. That's. Yeah, it sounds
2: like it sounds like there's a low tone and a high tone. Okay. You, hey, I don't know shit about music, so this is. This is where I, I, I already don't know enough about science, and I, and I report on that every week, but I don't know about music too. So here we go. <laughs> so here we go. But this study is showing that the Earth's entire atmosphere vibrates in a similar fashion to a bell. Something that has been theorized for years. Kind of like the metal-eating bacteria, Mr. E was talking about, right? It's something that's been theorized, but never whatever. Now we're kind of – we're starting to get some idea about it, yeah?
1: You know why that doesn't surprise me is – Like, the more and more we learn about sub-molecular stuff and uh, getting more in tune, uh, you know, pardon the pun, with the universe, like, everything vibrates. Everything vibrates, right? Like, my desk in front of me is vibrating right now.
0: Yeah, the Earth
2: vibrates. Isn't there, like, a Tesla? Yeah, we've talked about that, and it's actually vibrating less because of all the corona stuff. We talked about that on the older show. Yeah, because there's less
1: people on the uh, road right now. Yeah, Yeah,
2: exactly. Isn't there um a Tesla quote? Maybe you can even look this up, mystery Really quick. It was like a Tesla. If you want to know about the world, it's like all about, like you said, frequencies and vibrations or something like that. Like as whatever in whatever Nikola is.
1: Tesla had some stuff going on there where he had he theorized well, about I, vibrations. Well,
0: if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration.
1: Yeah, that's a, a quote also from somebody... Tesla. Nikola yeah. Tesla. Yep. Oh, wow.
2: And it's also, he's also the one who actually could draw energy from the atmosphere and thought that was like the thing we should be doing. Correct. So even though this thing mentions nothing about this, Picks stuff, or it didn't like, happen. I feel like this is exactly what this is about. Like, so again, this article mentions nothing about that shit. But when I read this, that's exactly what I thought. So, uh, hitting anyway, atmosphere. Back to about. so yeah, the Earth's entire atmosphere vibrates, similar to a bell, even though it doesn't make music. So, in this case, the music, as you would think about it, comes not as a sound we would hear, but in the form of large-scale waves of atmospheric pressure, spanning the globe. Is that like a wind traveling around the equator? Again, I'm not an expert, so yes, no, no. I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it is like a wind. I think it's more like a pressure. Like they're saying, it's like a pressure that they could somehow. And I guess this pressure maybe would be affecting them? I don't know anyway. Um, So, again, the music is not a sound. But we hear it's like it's not a sound we can hear. So, it's in the form of large scale waves of atmospheric pressure spanning the globe and traveling around the equator.
1: Some are moving east to west, others west to east. Do we know what's causing this? Because, I mean, I'm not sure. (laughs) Keep reading. No, I, uh, I'm not
2: sure. Of yourself, honestly,
1: okay. Uh, I don't think
2: so. No, I don't think we do. Like, I don't think like we're but we're studying it now because again, this is something that um, a 19th century physicist named Pierre Simon Laplace. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce his name. He theorized this atmospheric resonance is happening, and then other research by physicists over the over two centuries have refined the theory, and they predicted the the, the wave frequencies. That should be present in the atmosphere. Ooh. But the actual detection is something that we've lagged behind. And this is what this article is talking about, where we're starting to detect
1: That's very cool. I can't wait to figure out Big. if it's if like these uh waves are some sort of natural occurrence from, you know, I don't know, the Earth's magnetic field or uh the Earth's core or whatever, like maybe the moon's affecting it. Who knows? Or if it's some sort of external force, like it's reacting to uh, our sun's output, and when we're closer to the sun in our orbit, maybe it reacts differently. I don't
2: know. No, I was having the same thoughts, by the way. is When I read the same shit, I was like, this almost sounds like the atmosphere is reacting to all the solar shit that it's constantly being bombarded with, maybe.
1: Well, exactly, because we have all sorts maybe of layers beyond... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's ringing the bell. Any, every cosmic yeah. thing coming towards Earth is hitting our magnetosphere, our uh, this sphere, and that sphere. And maybe it's having some sort of physical reaction on our atmosphere, the air we breathe that we can detect now.
2: And not to get too crazy, but I swear there was some Tesla thing where he was harvesting. Atmospheric energy before you know, all, whatever all the shit went down, and he fucked the pigeon or whatever.
1: I know. Do you but, love Tesla and you love to claim that he like cured cancer and turned lead into gold? But where's the proof, bro? Dude, where's bro, the proof?
2: Hey, I, I'm on Imager all the time. I know about <laughs> Tesla because I see a beam, I see memes, Tesla memes. It uh-huh. has to be true.
1: Uh-huh, it's for sure. the internet,
2: huh. I said, even that quote he said, we probably should double check and make sure that's not some just like stupid, awesome quote that has nothing to do with Tesla, but I'm sure it is. <laughs> Uh, but basically, yeah, um, the person who discovered this stuff, he 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 analyzed, uh, observed atmospheric pressure over the globe every hour for 38 years. This is the data. He didn't personally do that, but he just studied that wow. data over 38 years. Okay. And he said the result clearly revealed the presence of dozens of the predicted wave modes.
1: Predicted. So you can predict these things. It has to yeah, be like, on like some sort guy, of solar cycle. They predicted
2: they or... existed, but for some reason they just either couldn't or didn't or didn't detect them. And I, I don't even have the information of like how they detected it. so I'm not sure if it's a whatever meter or the, a, a skyometer. I'm not sure what it is.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. That's very cool. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I it, the more we learn about the vibrations of certain things in our world, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Because, um, oh yeah, there was another story I was gonna do that was on the um, like the universe has some sort of internal ticking clock and it ticks.
2: It's- I was on the same thing and I said, fuck this article. Yeah. Because I I read, I read, because I was was trying to wrap my head around it. And I was like, this can't, this is like a whole podcast by itself. Yeah,
1: for sure. (laughs) I left it behind as well. But what I got from it was that the universe's internal clock ticks like thousands of times or millions of times per second. Uh And all that reminded me of was the idea of zero energy. And zero energy is the idea of harvesting the universe's vibration for energy. So, this is like some next level solar panel stuff here. You know, where we're cavemen. Star
0: Trek tech technology? Actually, this is X
1: Files. But, uh,
0: okay. We, okay. Say, what's that
1: from? I've heard, okay. yeah. We are cavemen compared to something like that. Yeah. But, like, that, that is a goal out there that we think is accomplishable. So
2: well, back to the even I said the atmosphere energy somehow so Tesla was somehow harvesting supposedly. So, so if there wasn't if there was like a galactic vibration level you could somehow harvest and move e- even back to that motor thing. Remember how you, there was a motor of just two atoms or two molecules moving at each other? Mm-hmm. What if somehow you could harvest the vibration of something to move something else? And that would almost would be a weird high level energy thing oh man we're
1: getting way too crazy nah I um, love the I love the vibration <laughs> I can't for sure. Yeah, no, for sure I can't speak too highly about it but um or maybe I can but uh, either way I love vibration stories because it's just the idea that the 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 desk in front of me is made up of atoms that are very far apart from one another so this desk I mean, is essentially yeah. mainly hollow and you can apply the same principle to me and my hand, and yet I can't pass through it because the vibrations create, you know, a solid surface. I just well, that blows theory, my
2: mind. You're not even t- you're not even touching the desk. If you want to go crazier, you realize that you're you're being repelled by it. Yeah, you're not mm-hmm. touching it at all.
1: Right. That that's next level. That's very cool.
2: Vibration. Uh, one more quote before we end on this one is. um Basically, I like what the scientists said is like our identification of the so many nodes in the real data shows that the atmosphere is indeed ringing like a bell, even though not with sound, but with vibration and these waves. But it also opens a new avenue of research to understand both the processes that excite the waves and the processes that act to damp the waves
1: Hmm.
2: or dampen the waves.
1: Okay. Again, it sounds like
2: in my opinion already, like it was kind of like you said early on is it sounds like the sun's exciting something somewhere and getting it all riled up and making waves all over the earth and ringing the bell.
1: Nice. So, uh, speaking of Tesla making gold, I have one more story here. I want to do before we quit. Um, right. We did a story a couple episodes ago about a treasure that was found. Someone out there hid a treasure and it was recently found
2: or spends rather treasure. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh,
1: so apparently there is more treasure out there.
2: Are you saying force spends treasure or just in general there's more treasure out there?
1: Uh in general. Someone else okay. has I don't want to say co opted this idea, but yeah, because how can you co opt a oh, there's treasure a couple of
2: treasures at this point, but yeah, yeah.
1: So a jeweler from Michigan has buried uh one million dollars worth of treasure across the state of Michigan.
2: Across the state, so not in one place.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Fucker. God well,
2: damn it. What are we going on a journey for this? Go fuck <laughs>
1: Well, here's um, yeah. the thing, I guess, so I'll tell you about, I'll tell you about this guy first. His name is uh, Johnny Perry, and due to several slow months at his jewelry store, thanks to COVID, uh, he had to close down. You know, that's sad, bummer. Uh, instead of selling- well, this, is a new, this is a new thing? Yeah, this is very new. Whoa. Now,
2: I mean, I, mean, I was intrigued already, but now I'm like, because usually you hear these treasure stories, they're- Twenty years have been
1: happening, and no one's ever found it. Exactly. So, so it new. That's crazy. Okay. So uh, instead of selling his inventory, he buried it. Oh my god! Right, buried. I mean, is this
2: money, is this a money-making scheme,
1: it, dude. You're reading between the lines. So here's how you participate in this treasure hunt. You need oh, to go. Okay. <laughs> you need. You need to go to his website, which is uh, Johnny's Treasure Quest dot com are oh, you going there now nice and for fifty dollars you can register for one of these quests for one of them
2: oh because there's because it's all across the
1: for one of them
2: it's like a it's almost like a lottery except the lottery is something you have to decipher and of course there's no proof that it exists although if it.
1: Uh, <laughs> well here, let me tell you some quick facts here
2: uh, okay, I was like, I mean,
1: I guess, I mean, he could be super fraud if it doesn't exist. Well, okay, so, so uh, you're right. That was one of my that was one of my talking points in that on the last episode or on the last episode we talked on this we touched on this treasure stuff. Um, the idea that was brought up that this there's theories out there that this is all uh, fraudulent and there was no actual no. buried treasure exactly. and he just wasted exactly. everybody's time. This is a uh, Forrest Finn, the one that was found. And that's how recently. he
2: probably sold his books and stuff. The and theory. he
1: made money off of the whole event by selling books. Right. So Johnny Perry is making his money by selling you clues to specific treasure locations. But here's the, <laughs> here's the whole gimmick is the first quest begins in Oakland County on August 1st. And here's, and here's what you're looking for. Two silver bars worth $4,200. For 50 bucks you get this quest? For 50 bucks you can unlock this quest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to get a ticket there. Well, oh yeah, no, August. I mean, whatever. Like, I mean, we don't
2: live in Michigan.
1: Yeah, you gotta weigh your expenses. If you're sure you're gonna find it, is is $4,200 going to cover your costs, your expenses? But sad to say, uh, this quest has been sold out. So you can no longer buy this quest. Does it give
2: you like specific instructions? I was like, maybe you just show up.
1: I don't know. So this whole thing feels... It's bullshit. I know it's bullshit. I've already fallen into it. I'm like, whoa, can we get some... Well, this treasure feels so much more like a cell phone game that wants your money than it does like a treasure hunt. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, people really are buying the adventure. And they don't and I think they know it's fake and they're just buying it anyways it's like oh what if what if it's me it's like a lottery except I don't want to say worse odds but
1: now it's, it's pretty silly in that uh, Forrest Finn made his money by giving you the clues to his treasure for free and his treasure was worth quite a bit. Um, I don't remember the exact he number. I just
2: think he's making enough money off of this. Like I said, if he really it was a ball, like let's say it really was a million dollars. If he if it is mine, if he thinks he'd make two million off of this, then I guess he would be a, a fucking genius. But
1: <laughs> I'm wondering if he can do that, dude. Oh, well, I think he's a genius. First of all, here's why. Okay. Because this okay. this first treasure hunt that begins on August first, to him, he is losing four thousand two hundred dollars. Every person that signed up. Had to pay fifty dollars, so uh-huh. so it is sold out. Meaning he has stopped giving clues. Why would he do that if he didn't recoup his losses he by doing gold. this?
2: So he's oh he's gonna like he's gonna literally literally hand it out where like here's five thousand dollars here, and then everyone pays fifty bucks, and whoever gets it first can gets the four thousand. But he's gonna spend he's gonna basically sell eight thousand worth of tickets. For the chance.
1: Exactly. And make a profit.
0: Motherfucker.
1: I know. he's. It's like I'm a notorious mother- cell phone <laughs> game in real life. It's crazy. It's geocaching. It's
0: geocaching. Treasure buried to begin with.
1: Wait, right? what was that?
0: What, what? Does he have to prove that there's actually treasure there to begin with? I mean, how do we know yeah. there's not just anything there? Exactly. So, he probably just does, like, the day before, just, like, throws the nuggets there, like, there, there, there dollars. He might be down $0 because there's nothing fucking there.
1: Well, that's a great question, too, because if he doesn't recoup his losses on some of these, he could always pull the treasures that he's got at the end. Like, he could just pull them back and sell them. Like, and who <laughs> yes, would be the he really wiser?
2: has the treasure. Dude, we got to get into this treasure racket. Fuck this podcast shit. Like, <sighs> dude, this is amazing. Like, we got, like, if this is geocaching on some weird. It's like making a business out of it in a so, weird way. I
1: have that right here. It's very business-oriented. Like, this guy, instead of selling his goods when his business went under, he thought he could pivot the business into a treasure business and make a pay-to-play real-life game. We could, I was saying, we could do this. This is almost like, remember we talked about
2: doing escape room and stuff? This is an outside escape room with a real prize, and you're just selling the chance to figure it out. And I like that there's an opening time too, where, cause if you just like whoever bought the first clue could figure it out. I was like, no, no, the, the, the prize opens on August 1st, so it won't even be there till then, you know? So, right. So then that, that makes it everyone will buy the tickets. Dude, we got to get in on this.
1: What are
2: you <laughs> doing? If you want the Bear the most tre- treasures, which is Bear the most treasures, write to um, better the most things at gmail.com and say, please give me treasure.
1: I was going to say, what would I even put in there? I got like I I don't know.
2: I, I know. Um, I got some comics. I'll put a little bit of weed in there, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe a brand new Sharpie set worth $23. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, man. Well, that was a great show. I personally think that was probably one of the best ones ever. Except maybe the first <laughs> And the fifth one and the seventh one. But this one felt really good. Top notch. Yes. Well, until next time, um, y'all take care of yourselves and each other, uh, which
1: is... That's Jerry Springer, right? <laughs> <laughs> take care of yourselves and it each is. other after hands down a know. life lesson after you just watch people beat each other with chairs <laughs> exactly hey, dude every
2: final thought was just about like hey you shouldn't cheat on somebody cheating uh, is bad it's not good and then they just said that 500 times but um, also on the next episode i'll tell you all how sean ho sean got banned from all the fantastic sams in california <laughs>
1: All right, well, thank you for joining us on Better Than Most Things. Please keep in mind we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discussed here, we encourage you to research them for yourself. Let us know if we miss anything.
2: And as always, submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter, Instagram, at btmt underscore and please rate and subscribe on your podcast app.